as I was, am I on? Nope. Did I not hold the button long enough? I'm on here. I'm on? Good. There we are. Um, I'm sitting over there, and I, I'm thinking about all the stuff we've heard over this last month, um, and almost changed my mind about what the theme is. You know, we've been on this journey to the gift. You can see the gifts everywhere. It's, it's, it's the time of season to think about giving and getting them. Uh, we're moving on this journey to the gift of the Christ child. But I, I'm wondering if, if the real story here is about ordinary people doing extraordinary things. We just heard about Dell. We've heard throughout this month multiple uh, testimonies, stories of folks stepping into the power of Christ. And, and here's the funny thing, as, as I'm sitting over here, it, it could give us as pastors a complex maybe, but we realize it's what it should be. It isn't us that are doing it. It's you. We hear about Harvey and Mary. We hear about the folks who have sat around alpha tables. And as we continue this journey today, I'm thinking that this gift of the Christ child so often is proclaimed by ordinary people doing extraordinary things. This gift that we get as we move closer to who Jesus is, um, is really a calling on all of us to share, no matter what your lot in life is. And so, so bear with me a, a little bit. I, I'm kind of changing stuff on the fly here because I think that the deeper story has nothing to do um, with just Christmas. I, I think the deeper story here is how the king influences his children. Let's pray. Father God, I come before you this morning and, and give you this message. Lord, I am so thankful that you call the ordinary to do extraordinary things. And Father, I pray for this time as we move closer, this journey as we've walked through the what's, the wins, the whys. We've walked through the prophecy. We, we followed the wise men. And today we're going to continue that journey with some very ordinary people. Father, I pray that our hearts would hear that and that we'd be moved. So, Father, please fill this space with your spirit. Allow us the opportunity to go deeper with you. Amen. So, ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Like I said, we've, we've already heard some of the prophecy. The, those prophets that Norm shared, you know, they were just ordinary folks called into the presence of the king. The wise men, we, we heard a little bit about them. Uh, we don't really know a ton about them, but... Again, they weren't the folks that we assumed would come and share this story. They weren't big, religious, popular guys. They, they were just folks chasing after a star that was pointing towards this gift. And this morning, uh, we get to see the reaction of people, ordinary people, as they come into the presence of the Lord. And, and here's the great thing. The three that we're going to talk about this morning come into the presence of the Lord before he's even born. Jesus is doing his ministry from the womb. I don't know about you, but that's pretty powerful when I hear it, that, that Jesus is, is moving and shaking people up before he's even here in flesh. So today we're going to look at Luke chapter 1. So if you want to turn there in your Bible, we're going to be at the end of Luke chapter 1. <clears throat> Luke 
starting in verse 39. And this is really cool. Because again, these ordinary people, it's, it's a baby, two babies, one with, with divine beginnings and one who's just ordinary, who, who does a reaction to the Lord. A teenage girl who was probably scared out of her mind and an old man who was struck mute. Ordinary folks doing extraordinary things. We're going to start right in 39. Here's where it starts. In those days, Mary rose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now listen to this as we jump into this, this next verse. This is the amazing part. And, and, and for Mary, again, a teenage girl who, who was probably running in some way from her home because of what has happened to her. She is with child, but has never been with a man. She knows that. Joseph has been led to know that. But how do you share that with others and have them believe it? So she's running to her her cousin, and, and here's where it goes. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are, the, are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your re- greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. The baby leaps. And that's our first point today. It's, it's this idea, do we react the same way? I have a great honor this morning to be partnering with the worship team as we kind of walk through this. Scott already mentioned it. And, and, and this idea that, that we as, as children of the Lord are called to react, to respond to the power of the coming king. And if we won't do it, Jesus is very clear that he'll allow others. He says the rocks will cry out. But in this case, a baby not even born (laughs) leaps. I I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, and and, and I'm going to be honest, I'm going to kind of call you out a little bit here this morning when Scott came up here and and that first couple minutes of energy in this space and worship. Our first response to coming into the presence of the Lord. I know some of us don't always feel like leaping. My wife and I were over there, and, and we both looked at each other and go, ah, I'm teaching on this this morning. I'm like, I didn't leap. I just kind of giggled at Scott and his uncomfort a little bit. Do we leap in the presence of the Lord? Listen, a fetus did it. How much more should we? The Holy Spirit comes into this space every Sunday. He's here. He promises it. We're two or more. And here in this moment, in this time and space with a scared teenage girl who's wondering what her life is going to look like, God confirms it. Confirms it through the movement of the Spirit and the leaping. Now, I want you to think about, I have no clue what it's like to walk that road, ladies. I have no idea. 
I've had some bad burritos, but I've never had a human being growing inside me. I don't know. It didn't say he just kind of jostled. It didn't say it was a movement that Elizabeth had felt before. He leapt. And Elizabeth had that confirmation in her heart. Remember, Elizabeth, if you know the story, Elizabeth was old and barren and didn't think she was going to be able to have a child, but God blessed them in that, her and Zechariah. So she's already had the movement of the Lord, and now, so, so she shouldn't be shocked at things, but she was. John leapt in her womb. Do we leap? Do we move in a way and respond in a way to the Lord's movement in our life? And I love how God works because Mary probably needed that confirmation. You know, we already know that, that from the story prior to this that, that Gabriel came to her and said, you are favored among people. I'm going to set this blessing on you. You will become with child. You are the favored one. But again, Mary is still just a young lady. She doesn't probably totally grasp the responsibility of this. And, and now her family, through the movement of the Spirit, is confirming this for her. And look what Elizabeth says. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, The baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed is she. I don't think that Elizabeth is only speaking about Mary in the blessed is she. I think Elizabeth's saying, blessed is me. I also have more confirmation. This baby in me is going to be touched by the movement of the king. So Mary's now moving forward and she has got this confirmation. The Lord is truly growing inside me. I don't know about you, but Mary was probably early teens. <clears throat> Some bank place her as, as, as young as 13 at this moment. I want every one of you uh, that are older than 13, to think back when you were 13. I tried to do that, and all I could come up with was, ain't no way I was in a place to be a parent. Now, for their culture, this was not uncommon. But it was uncommon to be in a place where you were going to have a child whose father was not, this is crazy, he's not of this earth. And Mary's response amazes me. We'll continue here. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. It isn't, oh, woe is me. It isn't, this is going to be scary. She does something amazing here. She sings. Now, I, I, I love country music. This is going to feel like a hard shift in gears. <laughs> but there's a great story that Travis Tritt, if you know who he is, tells about his honky-tonk years. 
These are the years in a young country star's life where they just have to go from basic dive bar to dive bar to dive bar, trying to get their name out there. And Tritt tells this story about when the bar is getting out of control, when guys are starting to throw bottles, there are some of these honky-tonks that actually, if you've ever seen a movie called Roadhouse, there's actually honky-tonks that have chicken wire in front of the person who's singing, so when the guys start throwing the beer bottles, it doesn't actually hit the guy, because it gets that out of control. And he says, when the guys are going for the beer bottles, when they're going for the pool cues to start beating each other, when the rednecks are going to their trucks to get their guns, he will start singing a song that shocks all of them. He starts singing Silent Night. And the rest of the story goes on. He has never had a moment where he has not, doesn't matter if it's July, where he hasn't started that song and every drunk redneck stops what they're doing. In a moment where you think this is going to get out of control, completely out of control, a song about the coming king calms the heart of even the scariest folks. He finishes a story that oftentimes they'll start singing along and sometimes these big burly guys will start to cry. In our harshest moments, do we do that? Do we think about singing and magnifying the Lord? And here's what a 13-year-old girl, scared out of her wits, but excited beyond her imagination, sings. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, through all generations, they will call me blessed." For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. A 13-year-old girl. A scared girl who, who probably in her community was seen as righteous and pure. That's why God chose her. She was a virtuous girl that a kind man, that's what scripture says about Joseph, he was a kind man, came and wanted to be with her. And now she's going to be labeled an adulterer, a fornicator, dirty. And that is going to follow her for the rest of her life. There's proof of this that it actually splashes up on Jesus in John 8, 41. It says this, you are doing the works your father did, they said to him. These are, the, these are the Pharisees and the religious leaders speaking to Jesus. We are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father. This, this mess that Mary is in is splashing up. It's going to continue to splash up on her for the rest of her life. And what does she do? She sings a song that, that quite honestly, is one of the most beautiful I've ever heard. 
So much so that it's called the Magnificat, to give glory to God, to magnify the coming king. How heavy was this burden for Mary? How hard will it be as she grows up? What will happen when he's born? She wasn't given all that information. She knows what he's going to do, but what happens when he's born? Is he different than other babies? Does he not do the things that babies do? For her life, will a zealot, when this baby comes, will this zealot say, no, the law says you must be stoned. Will someone pick up a stone as she is going to the market and take her down? In all of this, these things going through her mind, she goes on a trip. The spirit moves in a baby yet born. She gets this incredible confirmation and she sings. And what she sings is amazing. She proclaims God as powerful, as mighty king, as this baby in her, as salvation. She proclaims all the power of Christ in one simple song for each of us to hear. And this is a rule, this is a kingdom, and this is where we in this season of Christmas need to hear this. We shouldn't get excited about the baby, the coming king, just in Advent, the months and days and weeks coming up to Christmas. We should be excited about him all the time. We should be leaping and singing. If you know the Lord, his mercy, his grace, you saved by his blood, you should leap and sing. Do we react to this truth, to this power? Do we react? He was right, we didn't practice the transitions really well. Do we react to this, guys, in a way that makes it exciting for other people to see it? Because there's a, there's a second part of this story. And I bet we, we, we find ourselves there in the mess often, and we forget to leap and sing. And in a second, we're going to hear Zechariah's part of this. We're going to hear his prophecy as this realization, this reality, this reminder comes to him. So join me. Stand. Leap. Let's worship together. Let's help sing the song that Mary wrote so long ago as we magnify the Lord. You can be seated. The power through the movement of a baby, the power of the Lord, this gift of the Christ child that heaven's proclaimed through the song of a teenage girl, and the conviction of an old man struck mute. The story continues in Luke as we move along here into Zechariah. Now the back story on Zechariah is that him and Elizabeth could not have children and God granted them that blessing. 
But Zechariah doubted it. And because of his doubt, God struck him mute. Now, I want to make a, a, a comparison here to the doubt because we see Mary, she says to Gabriel, how can this be? Zechariah's doubt was different. Mary's was logical and actually educated as a 13-year-old going, how without me, you know, will I have a child? Hers makes sense. Zechariah, a priest of the Lord, doesn't. He should know that God can do what God wants to do when God wants to do it. And because of his doubt, he is struck mute. Now fast forward through this pregnancy. Zechariah has lived in a house now. It says that Mary stayed with them for three months. He was witness to Elizabeth's proclamation of the Christ child. He sat around the table with these folks talking, him not so much, but them talking about the power of the Lord. I'm convinced that there was something about this that went beyond just God proving a point as much as it was Zechariah shut up and listen. I'm doing an amazing thing. You should know this. Catch up with me. And the story continues. The baby's born, and they're at a point where they need to name this child. And everybody's looking to Zechariah, but Zechariah can't say anything. And Elizabeth says, his name will be John. All of Zechariah's friends say, this this can't be. You don't have any Johns in your family. You can't name a child just out of the blue like that. And they look to Zechariah, and he confirms that this child will be born and named John. And then this happened. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke blessing God. And fear came all over the neighbors and all of these things were talked about through all of the hill country in Judea and all who heard them laid their hearts, uh, laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? And then Zechariah speaks. An old man who once was mute, mute is now going to do something powerful. He's going to speak a prophecy confirming one more time who this child is. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. Ah, the Spirit came on him and he prophesied saying this, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. Zechariah is confirming all the prophecy that we heard about early in the month. He has seen it coming to fruition. He is happening before his eyes and he is blessed to be a part of it. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, be, that we being delivered from hand of the enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. 
And then he takes a breath. And a dad looking over his son, a son that has been touched by the power of the coming king. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will be, go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of the death to guide our feet into the way of peace. You see, there's, there's moments where we represent, as followers of Christ, that we represent these three people. In each of our walks, as we journey to the gift next Sunday, each of us probably have experienced these moments, and, and they're all powerful. Whether you're in that place where you're just leaping because the Spirit is there and it's filling you up, if, if you are so overwhelmed by the power of the Lord that you must sing, or if you are one of us, and oftentimes I find myself here, that, that have become complacent, maybe stubborn, maybe unaware that it takes us a season where God says, shut up, listen to me, watch what I do. We've seen those stories on this stage over this month, the testimonies of, hold on, I'm God, watch this. And what does Zechariah do? He does what he was really supposed to do as a priest. He was supposed to proclaim the glory of the Lord. And he does it in an amazing, powerful way, making statements that this time in history needed to hear. The king is coming. He's going to save us. He's not coming the way that you think he's coming. He's not coming through kings and powerful religious leaders. He's coming through the ordinary. We're the ordinary, folks. We can proclaim this truth as well. Now I want to speak to one last group. A fourth group that I know is in this room. A group of folks who still are going, I need to have the answers to life. I don't know what's going on. I don't know my purpose. What is this gift? Tell me how to have it. Well, I would encourage you, don't, don't go home today. I'm going to say something in a second that, that might move you to that. Don't go home today thinking, I'll wait until next Sunday. If you have those questions, come to us now. We'll be up here. But if you're still processing this, if you're still in a place where you're like, I need more. I hear what Sean is talking about. I would love to be a person who leaps, sings, and speaks. But I still need more. We have a great opportunity next week to hear about this gift. The gift of a mighty king coming and, and bringing his kingdom on earth. A mighty king who wants everyone to be a part of that kingdom for eternity. If you still are asking those questions, next week on Christmas Eve, we're going to share that gift story. Now here's the deal. It's, it's not past tense. It's not still coming. It's here. And we can talk about it now. But it's a kingdom that's powerful and moving and you can be one of those folks who's leaping, singing, and speaking because the king is that powerful. My encouragement to the other three groups, the leapers, the singers, and the speakers, is if you know someone, 
if you know someone who still needs to hear that truth, they're open now. This season naturally opens people's hearts. It's, it's part of the reason I think God ordains this movement. Bring them. Next week, next Sunday morning, bring them. Have them here. Bring families, kids. Remember, it was a teenage girl. It was a baby. It was an old man. Bring them next week. Let them hear about this gift of the coming king, the king who is among us that the heavens proclaimed. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Father, thank you for for taking a teenage girl, finding favor in her, not only to bring about the birth of your son through a virgin, but to be a model to us as ordinary people. Thank you, Father, that that in the movement of of a baby yet born because of your spirit, we hear it again in the confirmation of who you are. And thank you, Father, that when we call on your name and and you fill us with your Holy Spirit, you will give us the words to speak. Now, Father, give us the courage to speak them. Allow us to proclaim the movement of a mighty king. Amen.